The Disgraceful Podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians, past, present and future of the Awabakal land which we record our podcast on. This podcast may contain triggering content. Listener discretion is advised. everyone this week we have a special guest holly harris she is a survivor of sexual assault and will be sharing her story and her dealing with the court system holly say hello hi everyone thanks for having me on <laughs> amazing so um holly each week we do a disgrace of the week so it's anything from your week that felt really disgraceful it's like the bad thing or an annoying thing that happened in your week that you feel like people will relate to and go, yeah, that's pretty disgraceful. So yeah. <laughs> um, do you want to go first or did you want us to jump in first? Um, I'll go. It's a tricky one. But um, I had, so at the start of this week, I offered to drive to pick up my boyfriend from work. Anyone who lives in Melbourne, he works in Brunswick um, and you have to go on Coldwell Street to get to Brunswick. It takes like, you can pick out traffic, it takes probably 45 minutes to do a four kilometer drive. So it's, a, it, it's really frustrating for anyone that doesn't like traffic. Anyway, um, I'm driving to pick up my boyfriend, and there's this lady in front, um, the lights go green, and she doesn't move. And I was like, yep, that happens to everyone. Like, she's probably on her phone. It's fine. I'll just wait. No beeping, nothing. She eventually takes off and goes, and we're, we're all like happy driving till we get to the next light, and the light goes red, and then it goes green <laughs> and everyone starts moving except for the lady in front. Um, so again, I was like, oh, like it's kind of annoying because it's the second time you'd think she would have learned from the first time. Um, she proceeded to do it three more times and we missed two lights because of it. I didn't beep her once. And by the time I got to pick up my boyfriend, I was so irrationally angry because <laughs> of this lady in front of me that was so inconsiderate and <laughs> wouldn't get off her phone. I so, think... Yeah. That is very oh disgraceful. I can't believe you weren't angry. The willpower to the not no, Yeah. Oh, my horn would have been blasting. The fingers would have been yeah. up. You are much calmer than I was. <laughs> to be fair, I, the disgrace would be taking 45 minutes for four kilometres. I think I'd just be like... Oh. I know. Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 get your afternoon exercising, babe. <laughs> <laughs> 45 minutes but you can walk it yeah, <laughs> yeah. literally so it's probably a good point i'll tell him to walk next time yeah or get one of those like electric scooters i see in melbourne yeah. <laughs> all righty what about you well um for the listeners i'm about five foot one so i'm very short and i went a to a concert lumpa. You're an asshole. Um, and I went to see Conan Gray um on Friday with my boyfriend because Sarah was sick and couldn't come. Um, and because I'm so short, I couldn't see anything and made my boyfriend film everything so I can watch it later. But I spent like I don't know, $160 on tickets to not see anything. But the sound was great. <laughs> so I don't know if any short people out there can relate to that. Short kings gather. <laughs> Um, what about you, Sarah? I, uh, my disgrace of the week is, you know, it's a, I had a good night out on Saturday. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. And, you know, it's 3am. I'm getting on my train back from Newcastle to where I live and 
I'm stuck waiting on the train from three till four in the morning at the station because some guy decided to assault a police officer and then use my train I'm on as his hiding spot. So there was like, we weren't allowed to leave the train and we had to wait for the police officer to be running through and searching all the carriages. Um, And, you know, if you know anything after a big night out, once you finally decide to get home, you're beelining it. You're like, beelining it. Like another hour on that train, I felt ill. I was like, I just want to go. Did God, you at least like, have Maccas? No. Oh, what? I had not had Maccas. <laughs> I had nothing. I didn't even have water. Uber I... eats it to the cat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tap on, I'll pay for your tap on if you can get me my Mackie D's. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to talk with Holly today about her case and the reform that's after experiencing um, the legal system up front, you know, what uh, reforms she believes need to be made and, yeah. And especially from a law student. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's going to be a good chat. So, Holly, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself, like who you are, what you do, all that kind of stuff. Sure. So I'm 23. Um, I live in Melbourne and have for most of my life. Um, I live with my mum, dad, and younger sister and my little puppy. Um, her name's Dottie. Um, I'm studying law at uni. Um, for fun, I do ballet. I did ballet for 14 years when I was younger injured myself and then sort of like lost it um and recently and decided that I needed like a hobby again so I got back in got back into it um and I do that one night a week which I really love oh, yeah. I love that I got it's a lot to fit in with a law degree and what what drew you to law like why did you decide to study law to be honest it was just I was just always interested in it and I think like probably when I was in year 12 I was like yeah like I'm gonna be a lawyer um, now I'm not so sure, but I think um, it's a really interesting degree um, and, I mean, knowledge is power. So it's a really it's a really good degree to have, I think. Yeah, 100%. I think that's the interesting thing when you say you're studying law, like you don't have to be like, I'm going to be the lawyer that goes into court. There's like so mm. much you can do with it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even just like um, understanding the system sort of helps you like criticize it in like a more meaningful way because you can see how we've gotten to where we are and why we are where we are. And maybe like, I mean, I'm not saying I'm great at criticizing it, but like I can, I guess I can um, see maybe more clearly where change needs to happen. So, yeah. yeah. And I think that's the interesting thing as well. Like, there's so much change that we want to happen, but once you start studying the law, you also know, like, what's realistic, like, why, whether it's okay or not, but how that's the system, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, we've got to work with it. We can't work against it. So, A hundred percent. Yeah. No, that's amazing. Well, uh, I, um, do you know exactly kind of what career you would like to go into after or are you still figuring that out? No. So I work in, like, a big company at the moment. And I love it um, and use my degree, but it's not strictly law. Um, it's more like company secretary work. Um, but really, I really enjoy that for the moment. And I guess I'll just see what happens. I'm going to get the degree and get admitted and then see where I go, really. <laughs> yeah, amazing. I love that. Well, so we kind of want to go into, um, I guess, everything that's happened um, recently um and the case and um just we'll start talking through a bit of give the audience a bit of a background on you know 
what the context of the evening, how did you know the perpetrator, that kind of thing, Give you know, in the least horrible way to say, but kind of set the scene of prior yeah. to it, yeah. Yeah, so um, I've sort of always always known this guy um he went to my school he was the year above me so um I don't know at our school we didn't really have a lot to do with the years above and below we sort of stuck to our own year levels um and in 2018 so two years out of school for me um my best friend she started dating this guy from the year above so naturally I started hanging out with her and his friends um quite a bit and I sort of got to know this guy um a little bit more than I did before but like I'd, I'd sort of just see him out in like social settings. yeah like like a familiar yeah. face you're in the same yeah. circles yeah. yeah 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 um so start of 2018 he we sort of started talking in like a more than friends way but like nothing like I don't know it was very conservative but it was obvious that we were trying to like see yeah. what was going on there um and he ended up asking me out on a date after a little while and I said look like I'm really sorry, but I'm sort of more interested in this other guy. Um, and I'd just like love to stay friends and friendly. So um, that was around April 2018. Um, and then we didn't really speak at all. There was like one awkward situation at a friend, mutual friend's 21st, um, like two months after I'd said no to going on a date with him where I was like, oh, he, <laughs> he's not over it. Like he's still, he's still a little bit salty about that. That was just a snide comment, but you know like we sort of laugh that one off um yeah that's and I feel like at that stage you know you men I mean maybe I'm being a bit too much of a hard feminist being like men, men are entitled but it just probably seemed like that kind of entitlement like oh, why would like rejection you know yeah handle in different ways yeah yeah I mean yeah not everyone handles it amazingly but <laughs> anyway um yeah, so we went jumping from April to when I said no to going on a date to then September. So six months, roughly six months later, um, I was going to my best friend's house. Like I just finished working at a cafe for like six hours. So I was tired, but it was like a Sunday night. I always used to go to my best friend's for dinner. So I headed over there. Um, can't really remember too much. Like it was quite a long time ago, but that's yeah. what we did. But we ended up getting invited to go and meet her boyfriend and their friends. They'd been doing some like end of footy season, drinking all day kind of thing. Um, so we headed over there. It was funny. Like at the time, I remember sort of being like, "Oh God, like I look like shit right now," and I'm about to go like see all these people. But who cares? Like they're my friends. Doesn't matter. Like that was the vibe of the night. It was super laid back. Um, so went there, started having drinks with friends um, and then it sort of was clear like it wasn't going to be like a quiet night. We ended up going out to anyone who lives in Melbourne. We headed out to Chapel Street. So like it was going, it was going through. Even yeah. I've heard of Chapel Street down here yeah. in Newcastle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, it went from quiet night to a not so quiet night um, and I was still in my same like gross work uniform but didn't really matter. Um, headed out to a bar called Lucky Cock. Um, and I've started, like, I've started obviously drinking quite a lot. The boys are buying rounds and my best friend and I were the only two girls there, which wasn't weird at all. Like it's her boyfriend and like his brother, like super friendly. Um, and I also had a boyfriend at the time who was on a footy trip, so he couldn't make it out that night, but. A hundred percent. Night out. Well, you were your company, your girlfriend to go with 
boyfriend's mates we've yeah. all done that yeah 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 um so yeah I was just having heaps of fun like boys were buying rounds of drinks my friends and I were my friend and I were getting quite drunk because keeping up with boys drinking is never a good idea but <laughs> you know you, you learn from it um I just remember sort of the last thing I remember at the the bar we were at was just dancing with like, like a group of our friends um and yeah I was really drunk like I, I won't show you coded I was like super super drunk um and I don't really remember much else after that I don't remember leaving the bar what I was told by my best friend was that my best friend her boyfriend this guy and myself got in an uber home which made sense because we were all sort of in the same direction out mm. From where we were um my best that makes a cheaper uber yeah Yeah. cheaper because we were quite far like we we were it's like a 25 minute uber so like not cheap um my boyfriend and her friend were the first stop I was the second and he was supposed to be the third so they've gotten out of the um uber like I can't remember saying goodbye to them or anything the uber ride just like I like if someone had told me that I'd like flown home I would have believed them like I don't remember I don't remember going home at all Mm. Um, anyway, so we've gotten to, we've gotten to my house and I'm, I've obviously gotten out of the Uber and I'm walking from the Uber to my front door, which is quite like a, quite a walk. It's sort of like through a, it's really hard to explain, but like my house was like in a row of houses that fronted a park. So there wasn't like a road in front of my house. So like walking from the road to the front of my house was like enough of a walk that like, I don't know. It just gives it context. Basically, mm. like, I'm yeah. walking along this path and I've noticed that this guy's, like, following me and I was, like, literally my first thought was, oh, my God, like, he's gotten the wrong idea. Like, he's he's following me to my, like, the, the house. Like, this is awkward. I'm going to have to tell him to, like, go away. Mm. And I turn around I look at him and I was, like, oh, what are you doing? And he's, like, I'm just walking you to your front door. And I was, like, all right, <laughs> okay. So we both keep walking to my front door and I sort of, unlock the front door and I'm standing inside my house and he's standing outside on the front patio um and he he's saying stuff along the lines of like I'm in love with you like I really want to be with you I can't remember like or I just remember feeling super uncomfortable because I was like I am like not interested at all like yeah you're like, like I just want to get in my house like yeah. <laughs> it's we're, still we're... on a Sunday like I it's my boyfriend like no yeah we've been over this yeah, like, yeah. we've been over this <laughs> So um, I remember awkwardly being like, all right, like, I'm really sorry. No. And I, sh- I remember shutting the front door pretty much in his face and locking it. Mm. And then, like, my memories, it, my memories really patchy and they loved using that word against me, but that's what it was. It was patchy. Um, and it's sort of like I only re- remember really significant things that was sort of abnormal for a night out. So a guy following you to your front door and saying he's in love with you is quite unusual. Yeah, that's why I think I remember it. You remember after a big night, you remember the weird stuff, not the like. Or um, the embarrassing moments. Like you don't get yeah. yeah, like the Uber home. You're just like, yeah, got, I got that's home. Weird. I'm here. Honest, so yeah. Yeah, anyway, um, so yeah, I shut the front door on his face um, and locked it. I remember locking it. Um, and I'm obviously gone into like getting ready for bed mode because I always have a shower before I go to bed. So that's what I've done. Like I've gotten and gone and gotten in the shower to like go to sleep, you know? <laughs> um, and I remember I'm in the shower and I turn around and this guy has appeared in my bathroom 
and drunk Holly was like obviously very confused and I was like what the hell it's like what are you doing and I don't really remember like no I don't remember his response um and the next thing I remember was being assaulted in my bed so yeah it's 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 a tricky one like the memory there obviously like it bothers me that I remember so little but I think I, I don't know like I think it's just sort of my body's way of like protecting me or oh, I mean that with the trauma and the alcohol I think combined just wasn't a good thing for like being able to recall what happened to me but yeah so the next thing I remember I'm in bed and he's on top of me um and I'm being assaulted hmm. and then um I wake up the next morning um and the first thing I noticed this makes me sound like neurotic but the first thing I notice is I'm on the wrong like side of my bed um that and it's freezing cold so I'm like all right what's going on here like I'm freezing cold I'm on the wrong side of the bed and I look to my right and the sliding door that like in my bedroom that opens to the front like to outside is Mm. open I was like right that's why I'm cold because the door's open it's September um and I sort of sit up like confused and as I'm sitting up I've noticed that I'm in pain um in between my legs and I'm naked which I I never ever sleep naked never have so I was like okay something's really wrong here and I look the left and me in the process of sitting up I've made the person next to me stir um and for a split second I was like oh like my boyfriend's come home like weird this is all weird and then like this guy sits up and it's not my boyfriend. It's the guy that I've told to leave and the night before. Um, and he sits up and he looks like he's seen a ghost. Like he was terrified. And he just said, do you want me to leave? And I said, yeah, get out. And he picked up all his clothes and he ran out the sliding door, which at the time I assumed was how he's gotten into the house. Mm. So um, he's left and I've sort of like had this realization of exactly what's happened like I knew straight away what had happened yeah yeah like so I've texted my best friend it's about 6 45 in the morning on uh, Monday morning and I'm texting her I'm like this guy's raped me like help me um and she's not answering so I, I ring her and she eventually answers and she's like on her way over to my house and basically remember like I got out of bed and I sat like put clothes on and sat on the floor because I didn't want to like sit in the bed Mm. but as I was getting dressed I've seen like blood on the bed sheets um which is like it wasn't like a oh like your period's leaked it was like smeared like on the pillows and like throughout the bed in weird spots like if you leak on your period like it's been like a little like area but Mm. this is everywhere like on my pillow and stuff so I was like right like that might explain why I'm in pain so I've taken a video of that video just like I don't know why to be honest like I think I just wanted it for me at the time yeah it was kind of maybe yeah like your memories patch you like just, yeah it was, just, it was I, I think that's so incredible though that your brain was like even whether well for whatever reason your brain decided just to go I'm gonna take like a video of this like yeah yeah well that's the thing and I think um uh, like st- I'm losing my words yeah <laughs> I think yeah, you're okay Don't um, have a rush. <laughs> some like unfortunately for some victims it, it's sort of like not an instant realization and it's something that can take quite a while for them to come to terms with but I knew like that straight away what had happened to me um and I think 
I'm lucky because of that because there's, there was never really much self-blame there. But also, like, because I was aware of what happened, I was like, I'm, like, I'm going to film this blood on my sheets because this sort of, like, shows that it wasn't, like, there was a bit of foul play going on. Yeah, yeah, you're, I feel like that's also, like, your law and that yeah. like, kind of being like, well, this, this, this is evidence, you know, yeah. Yeah, so my friend comes over because it was so long ago, like, I can't really remember. And that's the thing, I think, you'll find me saying, I can't really remember a lot because I've been cross-examined twice now. I don't know if New South Wales has committal hearings, but we have committal hearings mm. in Victoria, so I've been cross-examined twice for, like, like three days total so I'm used to having to be like I'm sorry I don't remember that exact detail from four years ago whereas like I guess when I'm telling it more casually people are like it makes sense that you don't remember yeah when when like oh I have to tell you everything I remember yeah yeah Yeah, no completely that that makes a lot of sense yeah yeah so yeah my friend comes over the conversation was something along the lines of what do you want to do and I was like nothing like I want to forget all about this. Um, like everything's fine. Um, and obviously she's left her boyfriend's house. And I think, I don't know exactly what was going on at her boyfriend's house, but her boyfriend and um, his parents have become aware that like something's gone down because his mum's called Meg and said, do we need to take Holly? Like, does Holly want to go to the police? And I remember just being like, no, like, absolutely not. Like, I do not want to go to the police. I want to forget all about this, mm-hmm. um, which has been the way that I've reacted to anything serious in my life pretty much ever. So it's very on brand. Um, yeah, just okay. I want to deal with this privately. Like, I don't yeah. want to make it. And I feel like that's a reaction of a lot of victims, you know, after an assault. It's, you know, when you're in that shock, it's like, I no, I don't want to make it a big deal. Like, it's not a big deal like it's almost like soothing to you to be like it's not that big a deal like I don't need to involve other parties I can I can handle it you know I feel like that's yeah. very much protection mechanism a lot of victims Absolutely. go through yeah yeah well and it's like if I make it a big deal then it is a big deal and okay. then my life can be different and I don't want that so mm-hmm. I want to go back to the way things were 24 hours ago Literally. yeah like let's yeah. do that yeah so um I went to work which just I mean, crazy, like absolutely crazy. But that's like what I did because if I had to call in sick and tell my boss, then like my parents would be like, why aren't you going to work? I was like, I'm just going to go to work. No one will ask questions if I go to work. So yeah, to work. Yeah. So yeah, I went to work and then I went to, I went straight from work to my boyfriend's house um, who didn't know. And I wanted to keep it that way. Um, This guy is like, bless him like he's such a lovely person and we're still on good terms we're not together anymore still Mm. still on good terms but as a 19 year old at the time the relationship wasn't very emotionally mature we'll put it that way so Mm. I felt like if I spoke to him about it I would become more vulnerable and feel worse because I had it together myself and I wasn't prepared to like deal with his emotions about it which wouldn't have been at all like it wouldn't have been anger it would have been sadness and like what do we do but yeah. I couldn't do with that so I didn't I just didn't tell him but yeah so went to my boyfriend's house didn't tell him was trying really hard to just act like normal um I mean I remember sitting on his bed with a pad on which I never I never wear pads so I felt like I was wearing a nappy but um like I couldn't use tampons because it was too painful um and I was still 
bleeding. So yeah, that was happening. Um, and I was sitting, like, I remember sitting on his bed, just like with this like pad on, like, like I had this big secret, like, I don't know. It was just like, I don't know. It was just a very weird feeling. That's probably the only way to describe it, but yeah, the feeling like, I mean, you know, for the women listening, you you feel a pad when you wear it, especially if yeah. you're someone that wears one. Yeah. Like, yeah, 100%, that feeling of it there would be, like, just a constant reminder that, yeah, something, that you're hiding something. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, you put it put it into it perfectly. Um, And I had this pre-organised dinner that I was supposed to go to with my friends, um, three friends that weren't aware of what was going on. Um, And I just felt like... I had to go because we hadn't really been able to catch up much lately and like I didn't want to cancel and then then be like mad which they probably wouldn't have been but I'm a people pleaser um so I was like I must go to this dinner so I left um I left my boyfriends quite reluctantly and went to dinner um and I mean these are like my best friends but I just wasn't wasn't feeling like dealing with that at the time but anyway I went to I went to the dinner um and it got towards the end of the dinner and one of my friends looked at me and she was like, like, hold what's going on because I'm usually like bubbly and like I was sitting at the dinner table quite quietly um, and I pretty much just like burst into tears and told them everything that happened. Like I told them that I was in pain. Um, I mean, I was struggling to like sit on a chair. That's how bad it was. And I struggled to sit on a chair for quite a few days afterwards. Like it was, it was not like, like oh, yeah, that's, that's not horrible. horrible. I mean, I, yeah like no I, that's that's I've had sex before that usually yeah. doesn't happen <laughs> yeah that's not what happens after consensual consensual sex or, yeah sorry sex you yeah. know yeah yeah so um they were two of them were very persistent they were like we're taking you to the hospital and I was like no like absolutely not like I'm not reporting this I don't want to tell anyone I don't want anyone to know and they were like no like you don't have to report it but like let's check that everything's okay and that was what got me over the line. I was like, yeah, like, I want to see if everything's all right. Like, I'm in pain. So we leave dinner and go to the nearest hospital, which is the Alfred Hospital, which is quite a big hospital in Melbourne, like, quite well known for, like, its emergency and trauma. Did you call yeah. your parents at this point? Or? No. No. Yep. Okay. no. No one knew. So it's just the four of us, like, in the back of, <laughs> back of my friend's car driving to the hospital. Um, and we got to this massive hospital the emergency ward so I'm like emphasizing how it's a big emergency trauma unit because what I'm about to say now will make you angry well it it makes me angry now I wasn't at the time anyway um yeah so we get to this hospital and I like walk up to the triage nurse and I'm like I've like I've been raped like I need some I need some help and I get I go to see this lovely really really lovely female doctor quite quickly um, and she came in and sort of talked to me, asked me about what happened and like why I'd come to the hospital. And um, I was being pretty adamant with her. Like, I just want like someone to check that I'm okay, like I'm in pain. And she said to me, she's like, I'm really sorry, but we don't have the the kit here that we would need to like be able to look at you. And I was like, no, 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 like that's fine. I'm not, I'm, I don't want to report it. I just want like medical attention. And she was like, she basically said, and she was nice and apologetic, like it wasn't her fault, but she basically said, what's the effect of, if we look at you, that's classified as interfering with a crime scene and we're not allowed to. And she was like, you can go to another hospital nearby. And at this stage, it's like 10.30 at night. 
my boyfriend and my parents have me up by my friends and they're going to start being like, where's Holly? Like, just to, like, it's 10.30 on a Monday, yeah. wondering where I am. And I was like, absolutely, like, not. I'm not going to another hospital because um, then, like, people will work out where I am and I'll have to tell them what's going on. So I went home <laughs> and they were like, you've got, you've got two or three days to, like, to go and get like a, a kit and like get a sort of get a rate done and I was like okay <laughs> in the back of my head I was like I'm never doing that like I'm just get me out of here yeah. and um I remember speaking to some nurse from um Sakaza it's like a sexual assault hotline helpline in the um in the emergency room and she was saying stuff to me like yeah um like your sheets that have blood on them like keep them because they're evidence and stuff and I just at the time when you're like not really like accepting like I knew what had happened but I'm not accepting it yeah there's a different yeah 100% that different yeah doesn't happen but there's almost like a wall from your emotions and you're you're like yeah 100% yeah so then when someone's like collect your sheets as evidence and like you're a crime scene scene. you're like too, too much so I was like absolutely not and I went home and I put my sheets in the wash as soon as I got home the next day because I was like just get rid of this um and to be honest like looking back now I'm really upset that because from what I've heard from other um victims is they'll they'll say to you when when they have the kit available they'll say to you um we can collect this and keep it for six months um and you can decide what you want to do um like you don't have to do anything with it. We'd never force you. And if they had said that to me, then if that was an option, I would have taken it and been like, oh, fine, like chill, like do that. If I don't have to report it, do that so I can get medical attention, like care. Yeah. But it and wasn't an option. They they tell you stuff like don't pee. So imagine like driving for an hour and a half. Like, I don't know. That's yeah. like, like Try not and like hold pee. the evidence in your but, body. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, it's, it's insane. That should, like if a victim, you know, like yourself, has come far enough even just from medical attention mm. like how does a whole that's that's literally uh like a piece of medical device like a, a device sorry mm. that's a piece of medical equipment that should be at every hospital because what if you know there was something wrong internally happening for you and mm. you know you hadn't been able to get the help because they don't have that and you're now a crime scene yeah know? like I can't even yeah. imagine hearing those words about your body. I, I know. And that's the thing. Like, I mean, you look at, we'll, we'll get to this later, but you look at my case and where there was a lot of evidence. And even even now I look back and I'm like, far out. Like, if they had like something that said that I had like lacerations or something, like nothing major. It wasn't, I wasn't bleeding out, but like something that said this happened and it was more than just like, it was like aggressive, you know? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, where was I? So yeah, I've yes. gone home. I've gone home, um, went back to my boyfriend's house because there was not a chance in hell. I was staying in my own bed um, and just tried to like, go on like normal. So three or four days after that, um, I'm sitting around like the kitchen table at my boyfriend's with his family. We're playing like the game of life. I don't know if you know that game. I played it like once in my life and it was that time. Um, and my phone like lights up with a text message from this guy and I was like, what the fuck does he want and I open the phone and it's like this huge like long paragraph message like huge message okay so um and the message Holly is referring to here I'm just going to read out now um and I'll read it the full one so it says hi Holly 
I know sorry doesn't cut it, but I do really appreciate you giving me an opportunity to apologise. I've done the most heinous thing possible you can do to a woman, and I've done it to you. It was never my intention for things to not be consensual. I should have realised what you were communicating to me, but I didn't, and I pushed it, and ever since I've felt sick, and that will stay with me forever, that I've crossed that line. I know you want to forget all about this, and believe me, so do I, but I've done something horrible to you, and that will stay with me even in the back of my mind. But I've also ruined something between you and a man you love. Again, I should have respected what you have, but instead I was unable to restrain and some serious character searching needs to be done from me before I can call myself a good man. And I know this apology is really shit, but honestly, how can I for what I've done? But I hope this gives you whatever you want, whether it is some solace or something to hate. I hope it finds you in good stead. Whatever you want in the future, I will respect. It's been passed down the line that it's all right for me to send you something, but don't feel obligation to reply. Sincerely, the perpetrator. So yeah, I got that message. And honestly, at the time that I got that message, I was like, I mean, as someone who's had something awful like that happen to them, you're just like, I got that message and I was like, oh, he's sorry. Like, it's okay. <laughs> like I, I read that message. I was, it, it was like accountability, accountability, sincere remorse and saying that like he will respect my boundaries in future. Like that's what I got from the end of that text message. And I was like, like tick, 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 like great, great apology. Well done. Like I'm never going to talk to you again. <laughs> so I was ready to put that to bed. I screenshot it and sent it to the group chat of the girls that took me to the hospital, deleted it off my phone because I was like, get rid of like that reminder in my messages every time I open them, knowing that it would stay on my computer. Um, so I was like, if I want to find this message later, I will be able to. Um. So, yeah, I just tried to go on with life like normal. Um. I thought I was doing a great job of hiding the fact that I like some something massive had happened. But if you ask my family and friends, I was not. But like, and you know, can I ask, did your family and boyfriend know at this point? Or no, no. Okay. So I kept it from everybody that didn't already know um, for six weeks. Wow. So, yeah, wow. yeah. I'm very like I'm. It's, it's my personality. Like I will compartmentalize. Keep, yeah, compartmentalize like and it's terrible it does not work I've learned three years of therapy but you know <laughs> I was trying back then yeah um of course I feel like and that's a very from you know all the survivors I've spoken to I feel like that's generally the way things go you go you may even if you tell some people it's like okay tell people now we're gonna stand forward because mm-hmm. you know you rationalize your head I'm not gonna let this person have power or whatever your reasoning, mine was always, I'm not going to let him have power over me. Mm. But at some point, that car that you're trying to, I don't know, keep driving Mm. crashes. (laughs) It it runs out of fuel. It can only go on for so long without a mechanic. What a a metaphor there. Anyway. There you go. You're a poet, modern-day poet. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. And that's pretty much what happened. Um, it was like a straw that broke the camel's back situation because my relationship with my boyfriend started to break down and that was completely independent of what happened. Like he had no idea um, about any of it. Um, I mean, I sort of preface a little bit earlier. It wasn't a very emotionally complex relationship. It was just like, he was good fun and a lovely guy, but that was sort of, I had run its course and, um, our relationship ended 
so yeah, I came home to um, mum and like completely broke down and she's like, oh, like you're crying a little bit more than somebody who like had just been broken up with like a guy that she'd been with for six months would cry. And she's like, what's going on? Like you've been weird for ages. Like what's going on? I basically told her everything that had happened and she's obviously um, devastated and shocked and sad. I mean, my whole family was home when it happened. So they were, they were two, we were in a three-story house at the time. They were two floors above. I was the only person on the, the bottom floor. And that's like, I guess that's probably why they didn't hear anything at all. But, like, my family was home. She was home and she was just, I think that was really hard for her to um, grapple with at the time. So, yeah, I've told her. And a couple of days later she comes to me and she was like, Holly, like, I've I've gone to the police um, and had a conversation with them. And when she said that, I was like, oh, my God, like, what are you doing? Like, don't do that. And she was like, no, no, like, I think, I think you should just go to go and talk to them. They're lovely. And like, just have a chat and discuss your options. So I sort of reluctantly went in and I will say, as I've like, I've gotten, obviously I got that text message a couple of days afterwards. And in between the time that I'm talking about, um, I've like heard through friends that he like obviously people are talking about what's happened and he's going around saying no no like she wanted it like it was all like she wanted everything like yeah. so and and I think there was a lot of frustration because um I was like hang on like this guy's like come into my house after I've locked him out and but I wasn't sure of that at the time as well like I was almost certain because my sliding door was open and that was the way that he left in the morning so I was like he wouldn't know that he's never been to my house before he wouldn't know that was there unless he came in that way um but like you know when you're just like trying to patch stuff together and like it's not 100% certain so yeah like it was making everything very tricky but anyway, um, we went to, I went to the police with my mum and I was having like, like under the um, premise of having an obligation free conversation with it, with one of the um, police officers in the sexual offences team. Um, and she was amazing. So I sat down with her and had a conversation, sort of roughly spoke her through everything that happened. Um, and she was like, look, like, this is like serious. Like you've got, there's something, there's something here. And I think if you, you can, you should, you should say something. So I was like, okay. Um, and I gave a statement. I don't know if it was that day or a couple of days later, but I ended up giving a statement to police, like a full on statement. They started um, calling in other witnesses to give statements as well. Um, and when, when I was, like in the process of the investigation this hasn't really been spoken about much in like everything that's being spoken about um with this case but I actually did something called a pretext phone call which is where police record a phone call between myself and him so I've had this like earpiece in my phone that um that sort of records what's going in like when you're holding a phone to ear and then also like around near my mouth so it could pick up what I was saying and that was honestly terrifying, like calling this guy. I was like, oh my God, like the last thing I want to do. They were really, really hesitant. But I was like, okay, like I'll do it. So I um I rang him and he answered. And I 
I knew that if I was like, you raped me, like, why did you do that? He would shut down straight away. So yeah. rather than that, I went in and I was like, I want to piece together the night because obviously I have really little memory of what happened. And I was like, look, like, I'm really confused about what happened. Like, I don't really remember much at all, but I remember locking you out. Like, I remember locking my front door. How did you get in? And he was dancing around that a little bit. Like, it was back and forth. And I said, but how did you get in? And he said, I came in through your sliding door. So to me, when he said that, I was like, oh, like there we go. Like I knew it. Yeah. Like I knew it. Mm-hmm. Like I did shut you out. Like, fuck you. Like I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So no, it was like, yeah, a good confirmation to you going. Nothing, yeah. Like there's something I haven't missed anything. Yeah. No, no. Like this was as fucked up as like I thought it was basically. Um, and we've talked for a little bit longer and um, this is about six to eight weeks after what had happened and after he sent me the text. Um, and he said something like, look, like I've been really battling lately, um, like, it's, like I've been struggling um, because I didn't think I was capable of something like that. So six to eight weeks later, he's still saying, like, he's he's done yeah. some regrets. Do you know what I mean? Even though he's denying it to other people, to me, he's still saying, he, he, like, he yeah yeah again yeah. again you know he knows what he's, he's done, done is wrong. Yeah. another point yeah yeah and yeah how did you like build up the courage to do that phone call I can't even imagine like um, what I what, honestly, what was, yeah yeah, so. yeah I, I don't know like a night like I'm still a people pleaser but 19 year old Holly was a people pleaser to like another level yeah. and I basically agreed to the police that I was going to do this phone call um and then despite the fact that I didn't want to like three days later I was like well I've said I'm gonna do it so gotta do it so that's honestly that's why I did it because I said I would it wasn't really like a I just I I definitely had a choice but I think the people pleaser in me felt like I didn't have the choice which is yeah yeah but that's probably the best way I can explain it yeah and do you think it would have like helped like you thought in your head that it would help yeah well honestly like when I was building up all this evidence, like building up a case yeah. in my mind, I was like, I'm not going ahead with this because I knew that I could withdraw at any time. And I basically just wanted to scare the shit out of him. And like, I was like, maybe then like, he'll be like, he'll change, you know? Yeah. yeah and you were talking um, about being a people pleaser. I yeah. feel like maybe, would you feel like also, cause you know, not that you're, I'm saying your mum's done anything. Was it also like mum wants me here and like you're, still like at that point you're still you still just like yeah. mum mum because I know I'm like well mum if my mum says it's the right thing to do I'm gonna do yeah, it. I think so. yeah I think definitely a bit of that um I also just didn't want to make which is gonna sound ridiculous but I didn't want to make trouble for like my wider friendship group by like bringing in this drama which is like now I'm like screaming at 28 yeah <laughs> but you know like that's that progress like four years of progress I don't think like that anymore um, but yeah, at the time I was like, no, I don't want to be the drama. Yeah. I got to the point where like they fully built a case and they'd gone, like gone to question him. Um, and they turned up at his house, um, and he wasn't home, which is bad because I mean, gives him time to get home, they would have been able to arrest him yeah. or take him in for questioning. Um, obviously caution him and everything but he probably wouldn't have known not being a law student that he had the right to give a no comment interview um so yeah he obviously he wasn't home when the police turned up um and 
he's gone and gotten legal advice when before yeah. he came into like give the interview um so we gave him no comment if we can just sort of like when you went in to give a statement what like what was that like what was the like you know I feel like like with, support systems no? yeah, yeah like with four because I know there'll be survivors listening to this who mm, yeah. are thinking about coming forward and I'm I'm like you said earlier information is power yeah I feel yeah. like yeah. no one knows what to expect what was it like Are yeah you- oh it's a tricky one for me to answer because I I hate saying this because I'm not full of myself but I'm quite a strong person and I think the situation that I was put in, I dealt with pretty well. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to oh. be like, I don't want to be like, oh, it was fine. Because looking back, like it probably wasn't that fine. But I yeah. just was like, wasn't like I didn't know to expect better. Um, the police were lovely. Um, the lady that I spoke to and was working with was angry for me, which was amazing to like have another woman who wasn't like didn't know me from a bar of soap being like this is fucked up like I'm so angry for you like who has the audacity to do that kind of thing like that helped but I think the actual process of giving a statement is so awkward because it's like what did you feel at that time and like they're typing out what you what you're saying but they like type like like a like a six-year-old talking about their feelings so it's like I felt sad or like you know what I mean like you read it back this is cringe like this is right but this is cringy like it's reading back your own statements I don't like don't recommend it's not it's not fun so I guess the process has ways that it could be improved to be more sensitive I think I think that the the way that they asked the questions is quite abrupt and there were times when they were asking questions and I knew this woman was on my side but she's like exactly how many drinks did you have and like exactly who was there that you can remember and I'm sitting there like I don't remember because I was really drunk like yeah you know like it it kind of felt a little bit like you're being I wasn't but because of like my internal like critic and obviously what you think people think of you I was like I feel like I'm being told off by a teacher right now but again I I probably wasn't it's just the nature of the way that they ask the questions yeah and I think that's a really fair like fair thing to say and I think you being really honest about how the process is is actually a good thing because you don't want to sugarcoat it because then you know someone listening might be like because the truth is it's, it's going to be hot it's not going to be fun yeah. and yeah. I feel like a bit uh, someone who has experienced an assault has to you know know will know within themselves whether it's the right decision in terms of whether you know the truth is if they're strong enough if they've got mm. the capacity to handle it like course you're going to feel like you're not strong enough in the moment but you know yourself yeah you know whether yeah and I think I think you know you being really honest about it's actually like really important and really helpful because these are the kind of things people don't know about or you know until you've experienced it yourself it's you know it's not something you can read about online how to what's it like giving a statement you know like it's not really that which you should be able to but you know we'll get there um yeah so the process was was not great but not terrible like they were lovely I think it's just the way that people ask questions um could be different but that's just like that's just training people when you've gone through something so traumatic and you have to go and relive it again in front of people who are doing stuff so systematically I Mm. 
can't imagine how that would feel so yeah yeah it 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 does like I think and I think that's why I can speak like I speak so unemotively about it because I've done it so many times to so many professionals like in the system and like to them it's not emotional so like that's honestly like a problem for me sometimes is I I have to sort of like which sounds like why would you want to do that I don't know. It's like, (laughs) there's a lot of therapy behind this, but basically like I kind of have to connect back to hang on, like something really awful happened to you and you have a right to like not be okay and struggle with it because I've gone so far the other way that like I talk about it, like it's like, it's nothing. Um, And I think, yeah, that can take people back sometimes because. And it's easier, (laughs) you know, it's easier. Like, cause if you're like, well, you know, you're like, sit some you know you've got to tell someone new for whatever reason and you sit them down and you're like you know I'm just going to give you a bit of a trigger warning this is going to be hard to hear you have that kind of conversation if that mm. then becomes emotionally draining to you and you yeah. are feeling like you're reliving it rather than you just go this happened I was sexually assaulted blah 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 it makes it just like cool I've said it we know it we yeah. can move on like it's that's a hundred percent that makes so much sense yeah and I think that's the thing that like a lot of people that have been um assaulted before will find is like when you tell new people um it's like it's the thing that I worry about the most is like I when I tell new people I'm like this happened but I'm fine like it's just like something shitty happened four years ago but like I'm still normal like because trauma makes people feel tainted and I think that's the the problem is like I like when I'm telling new people it's like you don't have to worry like I'm not going to be this is in my internal dialogue is like you don't have to worry I'm not going to be any harder to love because yeah. what happens because look at me like I'm fine look which will be amazing like yeah, yeah. Things I'm yeah. Doing, like and like you know even as a friend you're like but it's not gonna be something that you're gonna have to worry about emotionally you're not gonna like I'm, yeah I'm good it's in the past we don't have to talk about yeah, it definitely. but it, you know like and 100% that makes so like that makes a lot of sense and um yeah I know a lot of people would feel the same yeah 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 um and it's sort of yeah it's that's been really tricky for me is trying to let myself be vulnerable and let myself feel it and be like no I like I'm struggling at the moment because when I struggle with this it's it's not like like it's not like I mean anything I'm about to list next is really awful but it's not it's not the same but it's not like my boyfriend's broken up with me or like like I, I crashed my car or something. It's something that people don't understand how to help with. So when I talk to people about it, I feel difficult because they don't know what to say because they, they've never experienced it before. Well, thank you so much to Holly for sharing. Um, there was too much for one episode. We didn't want to miss any parts of her story. Definitely not. Definitely not. So um, we'll be back next week with Holly Harris's episode part two. And remember, stay stay disgraceful. Disgraceful, the podcast is hosted by Sarah and Georgie. Woo-woo! Produced and edited, edited, edited by Isaac James. And the podcast assistant is David Moore. If you want to hear more from Disgraceful, the podcast, follow us and give us five stars wherever you listen. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at the Disgraceful Podcast. Remember, guys, stay disgraceful. Slag. Slay.